Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, look out. Julio Jones just caught another pass. Uh, that and the uh, Florida Gators have themselves a new football coach. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Rick and Tom podcast. Tom Jones, Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times. We are coming to you on Sunday night. We're recording this from the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, beautiful stadium. And the Bucks lost here today, 34-20. to 20. And we'll get into the Florida Gators and who they've hired as their new head coach. But, Rick, I just mentioned it. Julio Jones, have you ever seen a football player have as big a day as Julio Jones had on Sunday? You mean... Julio, me and ah, Julio down by the schoolyard. Yeah, uh, no, I haven't. And, and in fact, no receiver in the 42 years the Bucks have been playing football have had as many yards in a game as Julio Jones did today, which was some 253. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, look, they could not only could they not cover the guy, I'm not sure they, they had an answer for, uh, for not just him but for the Falcons' offense, but in, in general – I mean, this should not have been a surprise to Mike Smith, who was his head coach, who drafted him. Um, and yet, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones both said after the game, Tom, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around this one, that they haven't seen him have this much single coverage in a long time, if ever. You talked to Dirk Cutter after the game, and you asked him point blank, hey, hey what was the plan on Julio Jones? And I'm not really sure I understood his answer, Rick. He sort of danced around it, and I think he were trying to do a lot of the things that would shut down Julio Jones, but none of them clearly worked. At some point, don't you don't you just say, hey, Brent Grimes, you're our best cornerback. Go cover this guy. Well, I talked to Brent about that, and he says, no, they haven't done that, and we don't do that. And I'm not sure why, because I think Brent is clearly their best cover guy. And, you know, whether you can change your offense, I mean, that was not the plan, your defense, that was not the plan coming into the game. They weren't going to do it during the game. They pretty much stick to whatever side they're on. And the Falcons, I credit them and Steve Sarkeesian for moving Jones around. Sometimes he was in the slot. Sometimes he was outside. Sometimes he was in bunch formations. They did a lot of things to get him free. Uh, and, and then the other part of that, Tom, is that no matter who's running routes out there, they can't get close to the quarterback. They did not sack Matt Ryan again. They have 15 sacks on the year as a team. Um, Matt Ryan was only hit three times, if you want to call it that. So, you know, it's a combination of zero pressure on a really good quarterback and man coverage for the most part, which sometimes cloud cover guys over the top, some zone, but no answers for Julio Jones. And he had the bulk, I'd say almost 80% of the receiving yards today went to Julio. Yeah, they threw at him 15 times, and he caught 12 of them. And that's a, that's a, a starking number when you think about it, Rick. I mean, yeah. to throw a ball 15 times at somebody, you might maybe complete nine of those passes. They completed 12 of them, as you mentioned, for 253 yards. Everybody, and not only Matt Ryan, like they had wide receivers throwing a ball <laughs> to him. That's how wide open he was at point. But having said all that, Rick, and you mentioned the six, that they had 15 sacks on a year. Six came in one game, by the way. That's right. But here's the thing. As bad as this thing was, and they were down 27-6 to at one point, Rick, they had the ball deep in Atlanta territory at the 18-yard line, I believe, uh-huh. down one score. They had actually cut this game to 27-20 to and had a chance to tie it up. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, just uh, it looked like 
Atlanta was reliving the Super Bowl, and that's kind of what Atlanta has done this year. Um, but a great play by Kendall Beckwith gets the ball out from Teron Ward, who's T.J. Ward's brother. A tough day for the Wards because T.J. in concussion protocol, as is a lot of players now. But he gets the ball out. They get the fumble. They go down the field, and they have really second and one from the 18 or 19-yard line. Yeah. They end up on third down. They take a shot in the end zone to Deshaun. Can't get it. Third down, throw one out on the sideline in the flat to Adam Humphreys. He only gets a yard. And then Dirk Cutter had decided, correctly I might add, that they weren't going to stop the Atlanta Falcons twice, let alone you know maybe once, but not twice. So instead of kicking a field goal, which would have got him within four, he goes for it on fourth and one, which I had no problem with. I'm not sure I like the call. And he said after the game, you know, you got three or four plays on your sheet for that for that situation, and I picked the wrong one. They threw the ball over the middle of the field to uh, Cameron Brait in traffic uh, with a guy in Fitzpatrick's face, and it was incomplete. And and then you know Atlanta did what they do. They found Julio Jones again and went down and scored a touchdown, put the game away. Yeah, you and I can go back and forth on whether they should have kicked the field goal or not. I I kind of saw the the reasoning of kicking a field goal there. We had momentum at that time. And, uh, you know, getting a field goal, being down by four, you know, are we going to stop him, not stop him? You know, we were, we were playing pretty good on offense. We were moving the football. Here's what I go back to, Rick. You're right. They had a second and two at, like, the 20-yard line and they decided, or 19-yard line. They decided to run three plays in a row, all passing plays. If you know that's four-down territory, don't you try to run it once? And maybe the question should be, Rick, that, I guess that just goes to show they have no confidence in their running game at this point. Well, not much confidence in the run game and and uh, and very little confidence in the defense. But you're right, three pass plays. And Cutter said he made the decision to go for it on fourth down. We made the decision on third down that if we didn't get it, we'd, we'd go for it on fourth. And I'm with you. I think somewhere along that drive, probably at second and one, he probably should have decided we're in four-down territory and at least run the ball one time to see if you could pick up that first down. But they didn't do it, and it is a lack of confidence. They had guys in and out of the offensive line all day. Ali Marpet got hurt and came back. Demar Dotson got hurt and came back. Um, Pamphol got hurt and did not come back. So a lot of moving parts out there. But they showed some fight. They showed some some resilience. And yet, with this defense, Tom, it doesn't. I don't think it's going to matter whether Jameis Winston comes back and plays quarterback, You know, can't run the football, getting behind on the road, giving up 30 points every time they play on the road. Um, Mike Smith has some soul searching to do, and, and I know that they're playing shorthanded on the defensive line. And, and look, that's where football games are won and lost. They they play their butts off on first and second down. They get teams in third down, and they convert everything. It doesn't matter the down or distance. Yeah, third down, eleven of fourteen the Falcons were, which is a ridiculous number, seventy nine percent on third downs, and and um, five hundred sixteen yards total offense for the Atlanta Falcons. The fact that they come back, Rick, do you make anything of that? Does that mean anything at this point? I think what it means is that, you know, players are making business decisions yet. There's still some games left in this season, obviously. Um, They can't do any better if they were to win out than match last year's record. So already the expectations are not going to be fulfilled. And let's be honest, they're going to win somewhere between five and six games in all probability. And then the Glazers will have a decision to make as to what went wrong in this season. I I had somebody say to me today from the Bucs organization, um, it just just feels like with all these expectations, it's, it's hard to put your finger on. It just doesn't feel like, you know, something is off. Something is wrong. Something is missing. You know, the talent on this team, I'm not saying it's, uh, you know, the Super Bowl uh, talent or the best talent, most talented team, 
but there's a heck of a lot more talent than there has been on this football field for them. And yet, I know the quarterback has been the big story all year and will continue to be. Uh, but you still see lapses and you still see inconsistencies, and especially with two areas, the inability to run the football consistently and the inability to get pressure on any single quarterback or just picking them apart. We talked about it before the season, Rick, and we said there were so many high expectations coming in. They were 9-7 and seven last year. They go on hard knocks. Everybody's talking about what a great year. And I think you brought this up first. Say, hey, is there a possibility that – they're like we're like looking like one year ahead too far that maybe because we've seen it time and time again in all sports where a team has these high expectations and then all of a sudden they don't quite match them that year and then it's the following year where they actually get there and I look at this team Rick and I look at this this offense this running game as you mentioned I don't know if they made a mistake bringing Doug Martin back I don't know if he's the problem I don't know if it's the line uh, I don't know if Jameis didn't develop as quickly as uh, in year three as they hoped he would. But you're right. I mean, there is something off about it. But maybe it's just one of those years Rick and they'll bounce back next year. But they have work to do, clearly. They have a lot of work to do, and they did not handle expectations. I mean, and I think that sometimes when you bring in a Deshaun Jackson, I'm not putting on him, but you draft an O.J. Howard and you still have Mike Evans and, you know, Doug Martin is back after three games and, you know, Jameis feels pressure. I think the play caller feels pressure. Um, and, and for whatever reason, I mean, you know, T.J. Ward is, is a safety they brought in here. And, and the theory goes you can't have enough football players. But, Tom, you also want guys to have to know their roles and to understand their roles instead of a bunch of guys bitching about not playing. <laughs> and that's basically what you have. You have a lot of guys that think not only do they want to win, and they truly do. Every player will tell you he wants to win. But every player will also tell you he thinks he's the reason that you will win if he can just be put in positions to make plays. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot of guys like Doug Martin, like others, walking around here going, hmm, it can't be me. It has to be the scheme. It has to be who's calling the plays. Or it has to be, um, you know, the the fact that this personality or that, that guy didn't mesh with our locker room, what have you. I mean, those are all very big questions that have to be answered by the general manager, by the owners, by the coach, and they won't do the autopsy on this for another few weeks. Not for another few weeks, but that means there's still something left to play for, Rick, in these last uh, five games or whatever it is they have left. Um, look, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're clearly not going to be a, a better than a 500 team at best. I, don't even, I, mean, I agree with you. They're going to probably five or six wins. But there's still some stuff to watch for. The thing that I want to look for, Rick, is how hard this team plays down a stretch. And I know that sounds silly at this point, but I think that'll determine not number of wins necessarily, but how hard they play, whether or not Dirk comes back. Yeah, I mean, anytime a locker room or, or a team sort of quits on you, as they say, first of all, no professional athlete quits. Um, they may not fight as hard when the chips are down. I mean, what, what, what you'll have to watch now is if they get behind in games like they did today, how many times they still had something to battle for. They had everything to battle for today. Right. But as it gets darker and it becomes more obvious or they're eliminated. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f- are you talking about you insane hollywood ass so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com from the postseason what happens when you fall behind like you did today 27 to 6 
you know, is does that become 47 to to six? And and I think those are the the questions that have to be answered yet. Um, But look, at some point, we're told Jameis Winston is getting better. At some point, maybe as early as Monday, doctors are going to clear him to start throwing again. And I think it's really, really important for that quarterback, whose future, by the way, with respect to the NFL investigation into this allegation out in Arizona, um, is not going to be settled before the offseason at best, probably training camp and maybe heading into next season. He needs to come out here, recapture this team, recapture their spirit, um, give them hope, not just in the games he plays, but in in the promise that, when he's on the field to start next year, whenever that is, that they got a chance to do something and start to earn it, not just simply talk about it or on paper. You know, Gerald McCoy made a great statement after. This is why earlier in the week I said, people don't need to be saying we turned the corner. <laughs> we got, got a lot of work to do, man, and uh, show today. And today, reminders us of that. Yeah. Told you, we haven't turned a corner. Absolutely. You mentioned uh, Jameis Winston, a backup quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Played okay. He was not good in the first half. Played much better in the second half. We asked Dirk about it after the game. He said, look. Yeah, Ryan did fine. Uh, he he uh, he hung in there. Again, he didn't turn the ball over. And when you don't turn the ball over in the NFL, you're going to have a chance. And we did. Uh, we didn't, you know, we weren't able to get a turnover until, until right there at the end. But Ryan... Ryan's doing, he's doing uh, what he can do. I mean, I'm, I'm fine with how he's playing. You mentioned it, Rick. If, if you miss your starter for three games and your backup can go and win one, you're probably ahead of the game. Well, he came in and won two, granted, against bad football teams, but that's what a backup's supposed to do. You mentioned Jameis, though. We asked Dirk after the game. Not sure about that. That'll be a doctor's call. Uh, they'll reevaluate him tomorrow. He's scheduled to be reevaluated. Once he's clear to play, he'll, he will play. But, Rick, there's also some other news that came out right before the game that you broke. Uh, um, what is the latest as far as the NFL and what they're telling Jameis? Well, I mean, basically, they've begun their investigation. They, they talked to uh, the Bucks team security, uh, head, of, head of security for the Bucks, uh, Andres uh, Triscastro. And um, really, that is just the, the place you would start because, uh, you know, Andres is the guy that went in with Jameis to talk to the GM about this situation and began – researching it to see, you know, what the complaint was, et cetera. So I'm sure the league wants to know the investigation now, who are the people you talked to, what did you find out, et cetera. Um, so that's the formality. They've also asked J- Jameis, though, through the uh, Players Association um, to preserve all his uh, cell phone, text messages, voicemails um, that might be relevant to this case. In other words, hey, don't go, you know, don't take the hammer to it like Tom Brady, right? Because you know what happens when you do that. I don't know if, if Jameis has a habit of switching phones and smashing them with hammers, a la Tom Brady, but they're telling him not to do that. And that's, that's fairly routine. And by the way, Jameis Winston is happy to comply, is what I'm told. Um, there's no, there's no uh, pushback. i got to be honest with you, Rick. If somebody asks to see my cell phone, I don't think I'd let anybody see it. I'm serious. Like, you know... You don't know what I say about you behind your back onto my cell phone, right? I mean, where's your cell phone? <laughs> no, but seriously, Pope Jameis, there's got to be probably some embarrassing stuff that's not necessarily illegal and it's not necessarily 
you know, uh, anything that the NFL would suspend him for. But I'm like Tom Brady. I'm like, Brady, I'm not showing you. I don't trust you guys to keep my personal information personal. But anyway, we'll, we'll find out more about that as the week uh, weeks come along. And we'll find out more about Jameis on Monday. Rick, let's move on. We're going to talk later this week uh, about the fabulous college football game and what's going on with UCF and USF. What a great game. I was there in Orlando for UCF's win. They're as good a college football game as I've ever been to. But the big college news, Florida Gators on Sunday night coming to terms with Dan Mullen. We came into the Thanksgiving weekend, Rick, thinking they were going to get Chip Kelly. They end up getting Dan Dan Mullen out of all this after probably whiffing on Scott Frost as well. I don't think it's a, it's a home run, home run hire, Rick, but it's not a strikeout either. I, Dan Mullen is probably the best they could do if you're telling me no Chip Kelly and no Scott Frost. Well, and, and look, nothing against Dan Mullen, but uh, he's a guy that um, you know has already made his bones in the SEC. Truly, they haven't had an offense close to when he was the coordinator here, and it's been a many, many years uh, since then. But, look, he, he's in the league. Um, he's done a nice job with, with the talent and the limited resources he has at Mississippi State compared to the University of Florida. This is a big, probably, dream of his, I would imagine. There's no question he was at least their third choice, um, um, you know, because we know they talked to Chip Kelly, who went to UCLA, and we know they talked to Scott Frost, who seems like he's headed to Nebraska. I don't know who else they may have spoken with, but, um, you know, Mullen is going to be embraced by Gator fans because sure. he's a name that was under Spurrier that they, that they know and that they've watched him probably overachieve uh, in Starkville, and um, this is his big shot. He'll bring, in, he'll bring in an offense and hopefully can recruit, but I don't think it's, it's not a home run for the, for the Gators, and, but all that matters, you know, I can remember years ago when the Glazers tried to hire Steve Spurrier, tried to hire Jimmy Johnson, mm-hmm and wound up with their third choice, which was Tony Dungy, it turned out okay. That did turn out okay. And I think for the Gators, um, you know, if you're not going to get Chip Kelly, you're not going to get Scott Frost. If you didn't get Dan Mullen, I don't know who you're going to get. You're probably going to have to try to go after, you know, we heard Willie Taggart's name, which I think would have, personally, I think that would have been a disaster. Talked about Charlie Strong. Again, I'm not, I think he's fine at USF. I'm not sure he's Florida material at this point. Um, because he's too defensive. And, and he's, I, I just don't know that he would excite Florida fans. Um, so with Dan Mullen, I, I just I think that was the only chip they had left, pardon the pun, if they weren't going to get Chip Kelly and Scott Frost. Well, speaking of the SEC, what if they went after, I don't know, Greg Schiano, oh, like Tennessee? Is that going to happen? I, I, as we sit here uh, you know, at the Mercedes Dome, it looks like there's so much pushback from the state <laughs> of Tennessee, um, which is good because – Hopefully all of this will distract Greg from preparing a defense for Wisconsin because my wife dearly wants the Badgers to go undefeated and beat Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. So, Greg, if you're listening, by all means, fret over this. Dad Mullen coming in, though, Rick, what I do like about him, and in some ways maybe Florida fans should be happy with this because, um, look, Scott Frost is a dynamic coach. There's no doubt about it. His success as a head coach is pretty limited. He had two, he's had two good seasons at UCF. Uh, this year has been really good, but you're still talking about a coach in the American Athletic Conference. Dan Mullen, this is he's a big time coach. Now you could also say, well, who's he? What's he? What's he done at Mississippi State? Truly, yeah, he produced Dak Prescott. They really don't beat Alabama often, they, if ever. They don't beat Auburn. They don't win the big games necessarily. But they, but he knows how to recruit in the SEC. He knows what it looks like. He knows the landscape. He's not going to be intimidated walking in to Jordan Hare Stadium or walking into a uh, you know a place like Tennessee. Um, 
So I, again, I think I think they did okay. I, I, it's not it's not great, but they did okay. And as far as uh, as far as Chip Kelly, was that what do you th- UCLA is that did he make the right choice and is that a good hire? I think it was a great choice because I think what Chip Kelly needed was a dance partner and he found it in the University of Florida. He was waiting on the UCLA job or a Pac-12 job to open up. He knows he can win in a national championship or at least play for one out there. I don't think he wanted any part of the SEC. So this was leverage for Chip Kelly and. You know, Florida got used a little bit. They got used, but I think they're going to be okay. I, you know, Chip Kelly's an odd duck, and uh, and maybe Dan Mullen, as you mentioned with the Tony Dungy analogy, maybe it's it, overall it's 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 a safe hire, and it's one that um, that I think Gator fans will be able to live with. Hey, one last thing here, Rick, when we talk about the um, uh, about the coaching carousel and the latest rumor that is going around out there is that Kevin Sumlin is going to end up leaving Texas A&M, either pushed out or leave on his own, take the Arizona State job, leaves the Texas A&M job open, and I keep hearing these Jimbo Fisher rumors, Rick, and I can't imagine that he would go to Texas A&M. I, is that a better job than Florida State? I don't think it is. I, not only is it not a better job, it's not a better brand. I mean, Bobby Bowden has built Florida State into one of those teams, one of those programs that uh, can sell itself with its national championships. And really, Jimbo Fisher, I mean, you know, won one just a few years ago there and has played for several. So I don't. I think he knows, you know, uh, DeAndre Francois got hurt. They had a tough year. The quarterback is going to be back next year. He developed a kid behind him. Um, they just thrashed the University of Florida. They, they may – um, you know, come out of this okay. I mean, it's still a down year, but he's got young kids coming back. Um, you know, if it's just the money, somebody can always pay you more money. But I, I just, it doesn't, it would feel odd to me unless, unless he truly feels as if Seminole fan has lost their minds and were just, you know, jumping off, breaking their ankles off the bandwagon. Well, as I've always said, Rick, if you think it's rough at Florida State, wait till you go to Texas and in the SEC, which is what Texas A&M is, so I can't imagine that. There's a lot more coaching the carousel to come up, I think, musical chairs in the next few days. If the Shiano thing doesn't work out at Tennessee, maybe Charlie Strong gets back into the mix there. We'll follow all that as well in the, the upcoming days on our podcast, as well as look back at a wild weekend in college football. Alabama loses, which makes things really crazy. We'll get into it on, on who might make the uh, 14 playoff here as uh, as we move forward who t- i'm telling you ohio state's still in the mix but maybe not as much now with alabama losing so we'll try to figure that out in the next day or so as well well that's it from the mercedes-benz stadium here in atlanta check us out uh on twitter uh, the podcast page rick tom podcast is our twitter handle also uh you can reach rick stroud at nfl stroud you can reach me at tom w jones our thanks to our producer steve verstick and we'll talk to you when we get back to tampa have a great day everybody even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks italian leather jackets and so much more And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.